0: Hey guys, it's Allie. Welcome back to Infertile Life, the podcast. This is episode 172 called Jade.
1: Hello, everybody. This is Allie and Blair, the co-founders of Fertility Rally. And we are here to tell you a little bit about who we are, what we do, and how we can support you on your infertility journey.
0: So we wanted to let you know that Fertility Rally is the membership group that we created. It's the place we wish we had when we were in the thick of it. We offer support groups. We have private Facebook groups. We have tons of events, lots of videos, blog posts, so much content. We're starting to do IRL events as well. And we want to be there for you no matter where you are on your journey.
1: Yeah, our favorite part, we had no idea where this would go when we started it. And our favorite part about it is watching all of our members, which is like 300 plus at this point, connect, and create true lifelong friendships. We have members that are meeting up in real life. We have members that are supporting each other on Instagram. We have members that call each other best friends now. And honestly, like that is the most rewarding thing to see. We had no idea it would go here. And so we're just, we're inviting you to join the Rally fam.
0: Yeah, it's such a great space. It's a safe space. We also have fun when we can. So we would love for you to be a part of it. Check us out on FertilityRally.com and on Instagram at FertilityRally. Hope to see you guys soon. Today's episode is presented by Belly. Belly offers modern prenatal vitamins optimized for fertility, prenatal, and post-pregnancy health. To learn more about how to optimize your fertility and pregnancy health, check out their vegan-friendly, dairy-free, non-GMO vitamins for both men and women at BellyBaby.com. That's spelled B-E-L-I-B-A-B-Y.com. The best part? If you use code ally 15 you'll get 15% off your first month of either Belly Women or Belly Men. Again, that's code ally 15 ali A-L-I-1-5 for 15% off. Thanks, Belly. Okay, guys. So today I am talking to somebody who has become a dear, dear friend of mine over the last year. Her name is Jade, and we met through Fertility Rally when she joined the rally. And Jade is just one of those people who always has the right thing to say. She always has the best comments in our Fertility Rally group. She's so supportive of everybody else, probably because she is a school counselor, so that is her profession and her expertise. But today she's gonna tell us all about what she went through on her fertility journey, and she's gonna talk about all the things, hysteroscopy, huffing essential oils, her mantra, which is, I can do hard things, polyps, IUIs, laparoscopy, more polyps, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, moving on to IVF. And she's going to tell us where she is today. So I just wanted to thank Jade. It was really great talking to her. You guys are really going to love this episode. She's super cool and funny as well. So without further ado, this is Jade's infertility story. <laughs> my God, Jade. I'm so excited that we're doing
1: this. I am just ecstatic. I feel so honored, like a celebrity to be on this podcast. Seriously. You I'm are so- a celebrity to me because oh. we met through fertility
0: rally. You were obviously a member and you're one of my dear friends too. And um, it goes beyond that obviously, but I just have to say, and starting off, like the support that you give our like family and this group of women is so unmatched. Like you always have the most thoughtful comments in the chats. You always like really listen to people. It's like, it really, I'm always so glad when you're in the room with us, because I just feel like you bring a lot to the conversation. So thank you for doing that.
1: Oh, my heart is like bursting. That's so sweet. I feel the exact (laughs) same from you and Blair and from all the girls and the connections, the friendships that I've made are like lifelong. Like I can tell that these women I'm going to, you know, down the road through everything is good. They're going to be there. A hundred percent. And if anybody's listening, not to plug our own thing, but like literally, if you mm-hmm. want to
0: become friends with Jay, join fertility <laughs> rally because you are seriously such a pillar of like strength and inspiration for people. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about your story.
1: Let's start at the yeah. beginning. You know, I always want to ask, did you always want to be a mom? Yeah, I think, and I, and I listen to your podcast a lot, so I know that's one of your go-to questions. And I was thinking about it on the drive home today and I was like, you know what? I've always wanted to be a mom, but there's like this piece of me that's like, I always knew I was going to be one. Like I never questioned it before this entire, you know, track of a journey, but I feel like I just always knew that I, that I was going, you know, that I was going to be a mom and have this incredible family. And my sister and I grew up five and a half years apart. So I kind of was like a little bit of a kind of a mini mom to her sometimes. I'm sure Mm -hmm. she loved that. But, and then after, you know, marrying my husband and seeing him with my nephews, it was like, not only do I want to be a mom, but like, I, like, I want him to be a dad. Like, I can't wait Mm -hmm. to see him, you know, with our future children. And just, that has always just like totally been a part of the plan. That's so sweet. I love that. So tell me how you guys
0: got together. How did you guys meet?
1: Well, we did um we did match on one of those cute little websites where you kind of find your true love on, online. So that mm-hmm. was grinder. Um <laughs> <laughs> I know I never, I'm like, what is the one that's a little more like upscale than Tinder? But actually, yeah, it was interesting because he had just moved up from Iowa to Minneapolis for his job and we kind of just happened to to swipe right on each other. And I was Mm -hmm. like really picky. I was like, okay, they've got to be college educated. They've got to be cute. Um, No like shirtless workout picture, please. Uh, (laughs) Got to have some family pics in there. Got to be like witty. And I remember his his little tagline on Tinder was, dang, you're already checking me out. We haven't even met yet. (laughs) Um, So I actually messaged him first and then the rest was history.
0: Okay. So what was your first date?
1: We went to like a little bar. Actually, I met him in an alleyway. Alley. I met him in an alleyway by this bar. That is where we. That is where I decided as a, you know, as a twenty-four-year-old woman, oh, this will be safe. Um, what? <laughs> it was in uptown Minneapolis, mm-hmm. um, and it was a little bar. And he had ordered. It was funny. We were talking about this just the other day. He ordered this Manhattan that came in this like Cosmo glass, and he was like, I was so embarrassed. It was like the least manly thing I could have ordered. Um, <laughs> And it just—it was just easy, so easy to talk to him. And he's so funny and witty. And and then um, I remember he walked me back to the alley because it was kind of like down from where I lived. But I thought he was going to kiss me. And I was like, okay, good night. And he goes, and he starts to run away from me. And I'm like, wait, like what? <laughs> he's like, hey, do, do I get to take you out again? And I was like, yeah. And he goes, yes, or something. And then like fist pumps in the air and drives away. And I was like, who does that? Like, who doesn't? <laughs> And I'm like, wait, should you have kissed me on my first? Day? Anyway. So did you guys talk was, about it afterwards? And you were like, you left me oh, hanging, yeah. dude. I was like, yeah, I was prepared to kiss you. I had the the mint and everything. And you just uh-huh. literally ran away from me. He was like, I was so nervous. I couldn't do it.
0: Oh my God. That's so cute. Okay. So then when did you guys start talking about having a family and like spending the rest of your lives together?
1: Oh my gosh. Well, see, so we met when he was, he just turned 24. So it was 2014. And we kind of took the long boat. I feel like I always knew that I wanted to date someone in my mind because my parents are separated, um, divorced. I was like, I want to date someone for five years and then be engaged for two years. So then I know for sure. And so we (laughs) were together for five years, but I think we knew right away that it was going to be like, he's, I remember kind of like going from my uptown, you know, fun girl days to being like, okay, if I, if I really start seeing this guy, like he's the kind of guy you marry. So I'm doing this. We're doing this. Mm -hmm. Like. And he was, um, felt the same right away as well. And we, I think it was, so it was like about two years of dating and then we moved in together 2017 and I was kind of expecting a ring, but it didn't come until 29 or 2018 when we bought our house. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was about four and a half, five years of dating. And then we bought our house in 2018 and then got married that next fall in 2019.
0: Okay. And then how long before you started to try for babies?
1: Um, uh, like right away. He was, Mm -hmm. Justin was like, Hey, right away, let's go. Like, I'm ready, like this. And at that point, I was 29 and he was 29. Mm -hmm. We were like, You know, that's we're not like old, but you know, we got to really have too much time. So we started trying right away. I feel like, I mean, he would have probably started wanting to almost try before we were married because he was so ready because his sister had a son two years before we were married. So he was like, Just the two of them together, the cutest thing ever. Oh,
0: I love that. That's so hot when a guy is like really good Mm -hmm. with
1: kids. Oh my gosh. Yes. The best. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, we started trying right away. I wasn't really worried in my mind. I was still thinking like, you know, we got, we got married in October. And then I remember we, I was like tracking my cycle, you know, to be cool. Um, (laughs) It's so cool, (laughs) Jade. Right. And Christmas Eve, I was ovulating. I was like, well, duh, this is it. But then I got in my mind about like, well, wait a second like I'm a school counselor like school starts in September I'm in a wedding in September and I started to like get in my head, like maybe we should wait a little bit and I'm up for tenure. And Justin was like, oh my gosh, like, let's just have a baby. I don't care that you're in a wedding. What are you talking about? Mm-hmm.
0: But I get that. I'm, Cause I think a lot of us are like that, at least in the beginning stages of trying to have a baby, right. You're like,
1: oh, yeah. well,
0: you know, Becky's wedding is that month. So I don't want to miss that. And I don't want to miss the bachelorette party. And, you know, oh, you, start,
1: exactly.
0: you know, and then it's the holidays and then it's, you know, there's always a time to, there's never a perfect time to do it. Right. But there's always a reason not to as well.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I think we, we kind of just tried lately and it wasn't really that stressful at the beginning because I had all those, well, it's okay. I'm in this wedding or I have this coming up. And then I thought, you know, my planner type a personality was like, okay, well actually the best time to get pregnant would be July because then in April I'd t- take maternity leave and then take the whole rest of the summer for maternity leave. would be perfect. Mm. So I feel like those first months of 2020, you know, got to like March, April, I wasn't really panicked too much. And then Justin actually lost his job in the pandemic, which was kind of a slap in the face. Mm. Um, and our honeymoon got canceled. We were going to go to Europe for a week and a half. And then we did all that distance emergency learning. And then I was like, you know what? Now I'm scared. Like to like, what if I get pregnant right now? And like, what if I throw to the doctor's office and everything is closed and just had like this weird phenomenon of that. But then on the other side of me, I was like, but Hey, i might get at home all day, emergency distance learning. This is the perfect time to like be throwing up all day sick in my first trimester. <laughs> so right. I was like, yeah, I'm planning trying to like overplan it. And right. Um, so
0: at your school, like as the counselor, what, how, what did that look like for you? Like the emergency distance learning? Like, were you still seeing kids and stuff like on the reds yeah. or like
1: so we did a lot of Zoom. So we did, and it was weird because it would go back and forth. Like one week we'd have the approval of Zoom kids. And the next week the district was like, wait, we feel like this might not be safe because like you're invading their privacy in their home. And I'm like, wait, what? Um, oh, right. So I Zoomed okay. a lot of kids, talked with a lot of parents through stuff. Um, I actually was part time. I did like academic intervention in a math class. so I, I was teaching math online too. And then also counseling on the side, Oh wow! which was, which was crazy. And then uh, I was just a lot of meetings, a lot of zooms with kids, a lot of, you know, parents would call Like They'd be gone all day working. And then, but then they called me at night. It was just a weird time. Yeah, Cause stresses, just- stress
0: levels are so high on so many levels. I mean, this is why you're so good yeah. in the Support groups as well. And just, you know, because you, I mean, obviously you're a counselor, you know how to Mm -hmm. talk people off the ledge and, you know, and say what thoughtful things, you know, need to to be said.
1: Yeah. Well, and I think it just was, yeah, it was weird. It was, it was a lot of unknown, but we, but I was on my computer like all day, every day. And there were just, I feel like so many families that would, yeah, exactly on the, like, talk us off the ledge because we're trapped at home with our kids and, or they would lose their job. And then I would go to school and we'd pack meals. For kids, and I would deliver food to families that didn't ha- like they, they oh. just like didn't have anyone at home, yep. did have at home, and our lunch ladies are amazing. I would go there in the morning and help do stuff, and th- we would have probably like eighty to hundred cars waiting in a drive-through to pick up food. Oh wow! Kids during the day, because they relied yeah. on lunch.
0: Of course, yeah. yeah. Oh, that's so important that you did that. That's amazing. Yeah.
1: Well, it was yeah, it was a crazy time, but yeah. So I didn't really start to panic until probably my. 30th birthday was in May 27th. So I remember I was like, yeah, maybe these, I was like, okay, you know, I, my mom bought me my thirtieth birthday. She was super cute. She bought me like thirty bottles of booze, like all different kinds, like fancy. <laughs> and I like was airplane like,
0: bottles or like real bottles.
1: <laughs> um, some were some are little and fun, but some are big. Okay. Um, and wine and I love and, this. And, and I remember my. I can still feel like that memory of eating dinner because my face was so red, and I was like, "How am I going to tell her that I can't drink any of this because I'm going to be pregnant probably like next month?" Right. And I was so stressed about that, which is so silly. And then I said May, June, and then July was when I like officially became addicted to those OPKs where I was okay. like testing like five, six, seven, eight times a day. Like who does that? Why would my right. what, what?
0: Yeah. So what's, so what was happening? Like you just weren't getting pregnant. You didn't have a loss, right?
1: Yeah. Okay. No losses just mm-hmm. wasn't working. There was nothing really crazy. The only thing that I could maybe think of is I had an ileocolic resection um, in 2015, which is where they took like. My appendix and my large intestine, and then a couple other areas like my ileum, just to kind of get the Crohn's disease out. Mm. And that was left kind of a scar on my abdomen that maybe some scar tissue was kind of maybe impeding that, but not really, because no one ever said anything to me that that would be an issue. Mm -hmm. I had been off birth control at that point for a year, over a year actually. Mm -hmm. So just kind of felt like it just wasn't happening. And at the time, um, so back to when I was like, oh, yay, ovulating on Christmas, my best friend and my sister we started trying at the same time. And they actually both got pregnant around Christmas.
2: But
1: <sighs> so at this point now it had been like six months past that we're in June. And I'm like, okay, why did it happen for them so quick and not for us? Like, is there something wrong? Like, what's, mm-hmm. like what's going on? What am I missing? But we didn't really do. I kind of was like a rule follower again, type a planner. I was like, well, we can't go to the doctor until it's been a year. So It's been a year. Right. right. But
0: were so, you kind of yeah. dying inside? Like, why is this happening for everybody else and not me?
1: Yeah, I definitely, I think so. July I had my friend make this cute little onesie and t-shirt for my husband that was like from the office. So it was like regional manager and then assistant to the regional manager. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I had her make it. Cause I was like, well, it's just cause the whole thing is it's, it's by plan. It's cause I said July, right. I initially had said July would be the best time to get pregnant. So I'd have the baby in April. That's why it's taking so long. And then when July it didn't work and then August, it didn't work. I was like, okay, now I'm, now I'm like really not. Okay. And right. I'm just devastated.
0: Yeah. And how were you and Justin doing? Were you guys like arguing at all about it or stressing out or, you know, couples obviously go through a yeah. lot when
1: this is not happening. No, he was, he was so great. He just kept being like, Hey, we'll, just, we'll try again next month. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we'll give it another try But I feel like what's interesting too, is like noticing the first couple of months, you will like take a test and you will kind of like, Oh, sorry, honey, it's negative or Oh, no little bummer next month. And then it got to the point where it was like July, August, September that I would just go take a test. And then I wouldn't even say anything. Mm-hmm. I would just fall back in bed and cry and he would just know. Mm-hmm. And it was like, looking back on that like the how sad you couldn't even say like, Nope, it's negative or next month. I think we just got to a point where we we're both just like, we could communicate without communicating. About yeah.
0: That. And I think it's just exhausting too, to have to yeah. retreading that same ground, especially when it's not good news.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So October 1st, I was like, okay, I'm calling. We're going to the RE. We're going literally at my appointment. My little sister, six years younger than me, had her baby, Oh. God. we were at the RE. Oh, so God. that day was filled with like so much joy and love and happiness and like devastation and like terrifying news at the same time of like the RE was like, Oh, everything looks like, you know, that should be working. Let's do some tests and different things like that. And she was like, Oh, here's, here's what I can offer you. We can do kind of an aggressive route or we can do a a relaxed route. And I was like, we're doing the aggressive one. Buckle Mm -hmm. up. Let's go. Mm -hmm. So she was like, well, you have to do the HSG and the hysteroscopy and this exploratory ultrasound, like all within certain days of your cycle. So what did I do? I said, "Oh, great, that's next week." So I did all three of them on one day.
2: Oh my god, you're insane! Right,
1: and then I tried to go to work in between the appointments. Right, you're like, "I'm fine." Mm-hmm. Yeah, no. So mm-hmm. the HSG was first. That was probably that was probably the worst pain I've ever felt, and it yeah. was I had a full blown panic attack, which i have never had before. Uh huh. Wait, uh-huh. were you in fertility
0: rally at this point? I feel like you were right. Because I um no, this was October. So I didn't join. Not, yet? Okay, Not yet. okay. Okay. Well, I remember you um, talking about this. I guess it was in like in retrospect.
1: Yeah, it was like, oh my gosh. So they couldn't. So the first couple of times they couldn't get the balloon inflated to stay in. Like I kept like pushing it out and I was like, um, like I'm sorry. And she's like, oh, but it's not anything you can technically control. We'll just keep going. And then they got me all set up and I was uncomfortable, but fine. The x-ray technician took forever to get in there. And then they tried to do the, whatever the dye in my fallopian tubes and it it wouldn't go. So the first time, okay. The second time, okay. The third time, okay. Now it really hurts and I'm getting frustrated. Yeah. She's like, she's like, I just can't get this right side to flush. She's like, do you want, do you want me to try again? Do you want to set up another time? I'm like, I'm not doing this another time, but flush it. <laughs> so she, so the fourth time she goes and she really like, I think at that point was like, just really was like, I'm going to just push these CCs through there. And so I like lost my vision and I started hyperventilating And I like started to, I think, pass out. And I remember the nurse like grabbed one of those alcohol swabs and like threw it under my nose and was like, don't pass out. Like wake up (laughs) Um, in the background. All I hear is my doctor, like, can I go one more time? Can I go a fifth time? Like we're already here. And I was like, okay, whatever. So five times and the right side never flushed. Wow. Okay. So what did that mean? So she's like, I can't, she's like, I don't know. It's inconclusive. It could have, it could technically be clogged. It could not be clogged. I'm like, so great. That was a waste of time. Mm-hmm. And then came back two hours later for my, just my ultrasound and my uterus and everything. And it was, I was like, my bladder is so full. Like I, I really have to go. And she was like, oh, no problem. I, we have to have a full bladder for this. I see this every day. And she's like, oh, wait a second. I I'm no, oh, you're going to burst. She's like, no, you do have to go empty a little bit. <laughs> It was like crazy. And then being told that you have to empty like 10 seconds, then stand back up and then come back in was like, oh God, yeah. I was like, okay, I'll do it. But this is not great. And then that's where she was like, okay, well, I do see this kind of a heart shaped, maybe uterus thing here. I don't think it's a septum, but it could be something. I think you're fine. But you know, let's just, we'll, I'll just take notes and we'll look at it from another way, eventually someday, but I think it's fine. And then went home, then two hours after that, I went for my operative hysteroscopy, which Mm -hmm. I literally walked in and the doctor was like, she said out of her mouth, wow, I can't believe you're sitting here right now. Mm -hmm. I thought for sure you would cancel after this morning HSG. I was like, well... I don't have time. I don't have time to take another day off. I never miss work. You're like, I'm kind of a badass, and I don't like to miss work. So let's just do this. And at this time I had my little essential oil tube and I was like huffing it at this point, like, um, mm-hmm. so I'm asked to be like, you know, repeating my little mantra and what's your mantra. Um, can you share it? Well, at that point right now it's because of fertility rally and Glennon Doyle it's I can do hard things. Okay. But then I think it was just like, I can do it. I just repeated. I can do it over yeah. and over again. Yeah because I didn't realize this, but I was straight up awake. I had no idea what I was doing. I didn't know what this procedure was. Well, uh-huh. so she goes in and she's doing everything. And obviously I'd already had like that um, pill that kind of dilates you a little bit. So she's up in my uterus and she's like, okay, well actually I'm seeing some polyps. So it's going to have to be operative. Are you okay with me burning these off? And um am at this point, I'm like, okay, this has already been the worst day of my life. What else am I I mean, yeah, what do you mean? I'm not going to come back for you to do this. Right. So she burned three polyps off. Uh huh. Um, no pain meds. I don't even know. Oh I heard God. like everyone else was like, I was asleep for my hysterectomy. I was like, what? Yes. Give me all the volume, me? please. Yeah. <laughs> yes. What the heck? But honestly, the hardest part of all of that was at the very end, after all the tests were done, she kind of came over and she was like, here's the deal. Because I removed polyps, I'm going to tell you that you can't try this month. I promise, like, I promise you by the end of this year or January, you're going to be pregnant, but you can't try this month because if you, something about like, if the, you know, baby was to embed near where a polyp was removed, it could just, end in a miscarriage.
0: Oh, that's so hard. It just feels like another setback.
1: Yeah. And then, and she said, and oddly, you're like, you overcame your immunity to rubella, which is like the MMRI vaccine. She's like, so you have to do that before you can try again, because- Basically, if you get pregnant and you get it, you could, your baby could be you know, born blind or deaf and wow. all this stuff. So she's like, you already have to wait four weeks after getting that. So I drove from that appointment. Actually, my hubby drove me. The next day, I was like, okay, I'm going to get that vaccine. So I drove to this clinic that was like 30 minutes away. Mm-hmm. And I get there and they're like, the lady that's supposed to give me the shot is like, I don't understand why you want this. And I had to tell her the whole freaking story. Mm-hmm. She was like, here's the deal. Your, your chart it says you have Crohn's disease and you're on Humira, which is, you know, lowers your immune system. And she's like, this is a live vaccine. I can't give this to you. And at Mm -hmm. that point I didn't even care. I was like, I'm having, I'm, we're having a baby and I I need you to do this. I'm not Mm -hmm. waiting another four weeks after this for you to Mm -hmm. get my doctor's approval. She told me to get it. Why? Like, give it to me, give it to me. And I sat there like hysterically crying. Oh my God. Like I can't give this to you.
0: But Looking the doctor back. had
1: approved it knowing about the Crohn's and the Humera. Oh, I think I think she just forgot. I don't oh, know okay. what happened because when I followed up with everybody, they were like, Okay, that doctor, who by the way, I think she was from another country, she was super, super nice as I was like losing it in my office, not even at her, but just around her. Like she potentially saved my life. Because if I would have gotten that vaccine, I would have contracted the virus. And then Lord knows what would have happened. Oh wow. That's why you can't take live viruses on you know, immunosuppressants because your body can't fight it. Right. So I don't even, and part of me was like, I should look her up and drive over there and be like, Hey, thanks again for not giving me rubella. Cause seriously, I was crazy. that's how oh. crazy it was. I was like, I want to do whatever it takes. Well, yeah. Once you get on that track, it's like, you want to do all the things. Yeah. Right. So after that, so now it's like November, 2020. And we do IUI number one, which, you know, I'm like, oh, perfect. This is great. I'll do some Clomid. We'll do some testing. And, you know, it's probably like 80% chance. Like they're going to just, you know, put a sample right up there and we're good to go. And right. then that failed. And I was like, wait, what? I thought this was like kind of a guarantee. And then, you know, you look up now and you're like, oh, it's like 20,
2: mm-hmm.
1: 25%. It's like maybe 5% more than trying naturally. Mm-hmm. So we were like, okay, well, let's just do it again for December because, you know, why not? And we, we go in, we do all the, um, the cloning again, we do the monitoring. And then we find out that our test day our beta day, if you will, is Christmas morning. Oh, wow. So the believer in me is like, well, it's Christmas magic. <laughs> right. From a it's Christmas fine. Magic, yeah. Like this, duh. And our test was negative. And mm-hmm. that was, that was really tough because it was like, not only has it been a, you know, a, over a year at this point, but now it's the holidays, and I have, you know, this like little baby nephew who's two months old and adorable. And my best friend just had her baby, and oh, another friend is due with her baby. And I was like, What? Okay, well, what do we do now? I guess we go back in. So we go back in, and they were like, Well, let's do another IUI, but let's put you on Femera instead of Clomid because. When you do more than two cycles of the clomid, it can thin your lining. Uh-huh. Um, but the issue with femera was you don't get follicles on each side. It's just, it's just on one side. Mm-hmm. And if it's on the right side, which may or may not be plugged up, we don't know, kind of waste. Right. But I'm like, but this is lucky IUI I number three. So this will be great because the third time is the charm. And then it wasn't the charm. And I was like, all right, now I'm getting, now I'm mad. So what, what else can we do? Right. And so my doctor's like, well, let's just get you in there for a laparoscopy. Mm-hmm. So they, so in that laparoscopy, I was able to get in right away, which I'm so grateful for that my doctor was able to say, Hey, you know, she did all my stuff, all my IUIs, my surgery, my HSG, hysteroscopy, everything. So they found endometriosis.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, they found more polyps that had regrown in my uterus
2: mm-hmm.
1: and they found that my right tube was fully blocked. But mm-hmm. more than that, it was like kind of like twisted and like weird with adhesions and legions from my Crohn surgery. Mm-hmm. So they cleared all of that out Mm -hmm. and then they thought, you know, okay, now, all right, now, you know, you know, we're, now we're we're good to go. go. (laughs) Mm -hmm.
0: So what did you think when you got, when you, when that surgery was over and you, they told you what everything they had done and found and all that.
1: So that was when I was like shocked. And I think, When I first went in for that HSG and my tube was blocked, I had this like emotional reaction of like, oh my gosh, it's me. Right. It's me. I'm the problem. Yeah. And then after the lab or I was like, well, obviously it's for sure me now. And then I was like this overwhelming guilt of like, I'm the reason this isn't working.
0: Oh, it's so hard. The guilt is so real though. I get it.
1: It was so, yeah. And then, and then that with those diagnoses actually is what led me to a fertility rally. So that's when I joined. Okay, And I think it was fate because I joined the week for two things. Number one, it was Rally Reads. Okay. So we did the um, Untamed by Glennon Doyle. Oh, yes. I Can Do Hard Things has saved my life. It's like all over my office at school. Now it's my mantra for everything. I love it. And then it was also like a sneak peek extra weekly like session with Resolve. Oh, good. Okay. So I'm like coming off of my laparoscopy. And I'm like, you know what? I'm emailing my district and I used all the resolve stuff. And I typed up this huge letter and I said, Hey, you know, pay for me to have IVF. And they're like, okay. Right. So we should say that
0: resolve, you know, they teach you how to advocate for yourself. You know, we've done a bunch of different meetings with them where they teach you how to talk to your workplace and get fertility coverage and, and all that stuff. So that's so great that that, okay. Now, yeah. Yeah, And it was so
1: easy it was mm-hmm. so easy. They like make it so easy for you. And like, I, and my district, I can't believe they said yes, which is just incredible. And it happened to be again serendipity where, Hey, we're literally going into a meeting with health partners in this new clinic. And I'll just bring this with, and I'll ask them if they want to do it. And it was like literally the week they were meeting and it was perfect timing. I don't wow. know. How it
2: out. That's cool. Um,
1: yeah. So I think that was, that was definitely probably the the highlight of, okay, Hey, you know what? Maybe, you know, my other famous quote is like, I got a bracelet from a friend that said, you know, perhaps this is the reason for which you've been created. And I was like, maybe mm-hmm. this is it. Maybe I was supposed to struggle. So I could use my voice mm-hmm. to get coverage for all these families. I was like, you know, over 5,000 people in my district. Wow. Um, that's so yeah. awesome. Jade. Yeah. And I'm like, you know, maybe that's what it is. And maybe now that I did this, maybe now we can have the, the freaking baby already. Right. You're so- like, okay, we're done with all
0: the hardships. <laughs>
1: right. So then in March, we decided to do a double IUI because I'm like, Hey, I'm all cleaned up from my laparoscopy. Let's do a double one. Mm -hmm. Um, And what does that mean? Exactly. Two days in a row. Yeah. So two days. So we did the the normal IUI. And then the next day, instead of just having intercourse at home, you'd like go back in and do the IUI the the next morning. Right. Okay. So it was back to back. And then um, that was really tough because my, so during that, so it was like, I started the camera for the IUI and then my grandma died.
2: Oh, yeah and I
1: just missed the window to get home to say goodbye. And that was so hard.
2: Mm-hmm. And
1: then it was like her birthday was gonna be April 1st. And I was like, okay, well, maybe, you know, now that she's like my angel, maybe she'll, you know, bless us and it'll work. And I was looking for these signs and right. there and it definitely didn't work. Um, so we decided in April, we were like, okay. Let's do our let's do a final because they always say like once you get around two to three times of doing the IUI it's probably not going to work. But our thought was, but I just got cleared up with the with the February you know laparoscopy, so maybe right maybe starting from scratch or something right? Yeah, like it's IUI number five, but really is it number two now that I'm cleaned up and everything Mm -hmm. looks good. Um, So we did our Hail Mary IUI number five in April and it didn't work. Mm. So at this point I'm now back at May. And it's my birthday again and I'm mm-hmm. 31 and I'm mm-hmm. like, okay, what, like, how did I just lose all that time? Right. And so, and we knew that our coverage luckily was starting in July for IVF. Um, that's when Mar, beginning of school, you shift over in July for coverage uh-huh. instead of January. Okay. So we went to Florida in June with his entire family, like family reunion and just tried to take the time to just be together and lucky for me, I decided to take the summer off. Um, usually I'll like either do some dance coaching or some like camp stuff. Mm-hmm. But I like, I'm going to take the summer. We're going to do this IVF thing. So and, good. My gosh. It was like, yeah. So we started right away, which was awesome. We did our, we did our stemming for 11 days. Um, I got to be home with the dog and on the deck and reading and relaxing, which is, I can't even imagine going to work through stems. I don't know. Mm -hmm. So
0: so many people do, but
1: yeah. Holy moly! So my retrieval was July 29th. So right at the end of the month. And I had a a couple of friends that, you know, obviously from fertility rally, but also in real life that had done IVF and they were getting like 29, 32, 25 eggs. Mm Well, I had
2: eight Mm -hmm.
1: and I was like, okay, eight is like great, but like, why not 16 or like, 20, right. like why did I only get eight? Yeah. Um, so I was super bumped, but then all eight were, were mature. So I was like, oh, well, maybe that's a good thing. Like they were, you know, slow and steady. And I read a lot about, you know, the European IVF is hey, get like, you know, six to ten really Right.
0: Quality. right. It's more quality so, than quantity. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So I was like, okay, all right. Eight were mature, um, but only three fertilized.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And I was like, okay, what? <laughs> so I we ended up with two embryos that made it two. Day five,
2: mm-hmm.
1: we're going in for a fresh transfer. We're like, okay, we're only going to do the one.
2: Mm-hmm. Um,
1: let's biopsy and, and test the other and send it off. And so I, I'm i like ready. And I'm like, you know, I'm excited. It's transfer day. And and I'm more nervous about drinking enough water for my full bladder than anything, which was just so silly.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And then I get, you know, I'm about to take my Valium. And then I get the call that our embryos are not ready. They're mm-hmm. like, you know what? We just, we, they got to be one more day. Mm-hmm. And at that point they can't transfer them. They don't do fresh transfers on day six, only day five. So they're like, so we're going to biopsy and then freeze them. So you'll have to do
0: another setback and like disappointment, right?
1: Yeah. And I'm like, so what did
0: you think when you got that call?
1: My gosh, I was at first I was devastated and I just cried and cried and cried. And I was like, why, why is this always like, why do we always get bad news? And we had been through so much already with like losing I think Justin's grandpa, and then my grandma, and then my grandpa wasn't doing well, and then just all this, you know, bad news about like that. he lost his job in COVID, and then
2: mm-hmm.
1: and then just all these like different things that were happening outside of the fertility journey too. And I was like, okay, when are we going to catch a break here? Because at this point, like, I had some other stuff going on with my family that was just really scary and sad, and so did he. And it was like, we didn't, we need to win here, and like, mm-hmm. what the heck? So I was like, all right, you know what? Maybe this is because my body needs to heal. So I tried to, I tried to find again, that reason. So I had had pretty, I don't know if it was really bad kind of recovery from the retrieval, but I definitely was more bloated than I thought I was going to be for only eight eggs. Mm-hmm. When I went in to for acupuncture, they were like, this is pretty bad. Like from what we've seen through IVF. So I was like, maybe bigger picture, my body wasn't ready. And the mm-hmm. embryos in the other day, whatever, it'll be fine. So I'm like, okay, no problem. So then we're at this point, we're just dying for the report, right? We're like, okay, how many days until we find out if these two embryos that I made are genetically normal, right?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And my whole life, it's me and my sister, I assumed we'd have two girls. And Justin was always like, you know, I, I think we might have two girls too. And then I'll always come home from work and be like, hey, where are my girls at? Oh, <laughs> so, <laughs> so then we get the report and I was like, okay, okay. Like, just tell me, oh my gosh. And of course, I'm like, I already know, like, aneuploid, euploid, whatever. He's like, um, it's this weird word that starts with an E, like, you plus like, yes, that's a good one. Okay, good. Well, they're both good. He's like, yes. He's like, oh, no, I just read the gender. Do you want to know? Or do you want to <laughs> be surprised? And I'm like, well, you can't know. And I, you know what I mean? If, if you're going to know, I'm going to know. So he's like, all right, they're both boys. Yeah. And I was like, no, no, honey, XX is girl. And he's like, I know this is XY. Uh huh. And I was like, wait, what? I thought, wait So it was like this weird, like, okay, they're both normal. How lucky are we, but they're both boys. And I was like, wait, we're going to have boys or we have the potential to have boys. And it was Mm -hmm. just this crazy high of like being excited and like shocked and, yes. and so I, we emailed the clinic right away and I'd started school again. Um, And it was a weird year, but we were kind of half in half out. And they were like, I got the email from the clinic. Hey, do you want to just like transfer right? Like right away, like September 14th. And Mm -hmm. I was like. Yes, I do. Which is a fun fact. September 14th is my sister's birthday. Mm-hmm. and Our due date would have been June 8th, which is his sister's birthday. So again, I'm like, well, duh, this is the sign we're having. We're having the baby. All these signs, all these dates. Right. And I had to be on a special progesterone only birth control because I get the migraines with the auras. And you, if you have estrogen based birth control, you can actually have a stroke mm. on like traditional birth control. So they put me on Provera and I was like, okay, how do I know that this is gonna be because it's not typical? Like, how do I know like this is the best protocol? Mm-hmm, and my mm-hmm. doctor, who's like, oh my god, brilliant. He's from like somewhere in Europe. I don't even know. He's like so smart. He's like less than five percent of people will have an issue with this protocol. Okay. So then obviously I had the issue with the protocol. So I ovulated through the medication Mm -hmm. and it was like right before we were going to like start the PO, which thank God, because if I would have started that, I would have been so mad.
2: Mm -hmm. Um,
1: And so we canceled it. So it was like the fresh transfer was out of my control. Then now the frozen was out of my control. And I'm like, okay, what? Like, this is so annoying to me. Why can't we just like put, this is supposed to be the fun part. The transfer is the fun part. Why are we hitting all these snags. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, all this time has been wasted. And they're like, okay, well, here's this. We're going to do this 45 day protocol and it's going to be with Lupron and estrogen. And then we're going to do some different birth control. And then we're going to do PO. And I was like, okay, but if I'm doing that same birth control, won't I just ovulate through it again? And they're like, well, no, not with the Lupron, but you got to prime with it for like 30 days or something. And I'm like, at this point, it's September. It's almost October, 2021. I'm like, I'm not, what? it's been two years. I'm, I'm over this now. Mm-hmm. So I made an old fashioned and I got on fertility rally. Mm-hmm. Dad, I remember this night yeah. we were like old fashioned Jade. Yeah. And I don't remember who it was. plus her heart. Who was like, why are you not doing a natural cycle? If your body is ovulating through the meds, just let your body do it and do the natural cycle. Uh-huh. So long story short, I called and I talked to a nurse. She said no. I talked to my doctor. He said no. I talked to my another nurse. She said no. I talked to a I think a third or a fourth nurse. Uh-huh. Her name was Courtney, and she was like, "Yeah, that makes the most sense to me. Why wouldn't we do that?"
0: Oh my god, I and love I was this. Like,
1: yeah, so I was like, "Okay, that's perfect." So I finally get her, and then I go in. We get prepped for the natural protocol and everything. I do have a cyst at this point, like I'm monitoring, but she's like, "It should be fine. No, no big deal." Cause you're going to have a growth follicle anyway. And it just is part of what it is. Mm-hmm. So we get everything lined up and it's like the Saturday before. So October 4th was the transfer date. That's
2: mm-hmm.
1: like the Saturday before. And I was like, I had finally, I think at that point had the meltdown of, okay, what are we doing? This is literally the definition of insanity. Mm-hmm. Why, why am I going to go now into this third transfer and think it's going to work or think it's going to even happen? we're not going to get pregnant. This isn't going to work. This has been two years and it's been all this this medicine and all this time and all this investment and all this reading and all this stuff. And why why are we doing this? I don't want to go cancel it. And it was, you know, you think about my HSG being my first panic attack. I think this was my second panic attack at this point.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: And I had never had them before. And I've just, even having that happen, I've grown so much empathy for my students that have them Mm. that I've never understood. It feels like, I mean, it feels like you're going to die, right? Like your chest is like compressed and your heart is racing, you can't breathe. And it's like, why, why am I setting myself up to literally get slapped in the face again and mm-hmm. again and again? And, you know, the one thing that kind of helped was my mindset shift. I don't remember if it was my husband saying it or if I had read it somewhere, but I was like, you know, my body has let me down countless times,
2: mm-hmm.
1: but this little embryo is different. And this little embryo isn't necessarily going to let me down. And mm-hmm. I had to put my faith in, in him and, and uh, believing that, that my body, you know, has been through so much, but like, Hey, you know what? I can lose faith in myself, but I can't lose faith in him.
0: I love that. Yeah. I just so get the chills. We,
1: oh, yeah. <laughs> So we, so we went on October 4th and we transferred our beautiful hatching embryo. And then of course we get our beta date. it's October 13th. And I'm like, okay, you know what? With the superstitions, here we go. Like, I don't have time. Right. Was this. it a Friday? It was, no, I think it was a Wednesday actually. Yeah. So it, was okay. it wasn't as bad. So, and I didn't test hubby was like, you can't test. I'm sorry. You, you can't yep. test because if you test and it's negative and I lose you, like two days before beta, it's not going to work. Yeah. So didn't test, didn't test, didn't test.
0: How many days did you actually have to wait? Nine. To spend, okay.
1: <laughs> Nine days. Mm-hmm. Um. And so the morning of, I took two tests in the dark and which, how did I do that? I don't know. Um. Maybe there was a <laughs> nightlight, but I didn't look at them. Mm-hmm. I put them on the shelf and I go to kiss Justin goodbye. And he's like, oh, hello. I thought we were going to look at the test. And I was like, you know what? I can't. Because if I look at the test and it's negative, I'm not going to want to drive the 35 minutes to the clinic to take the test, to get the blood test. Mm -hmm. And then then I'm at work on myself today. I was the only counselor for 1300 kids. I was like, Mm -hmm. there's no way I'm going to survive. Oh my God. So I leave the house. The second the garage door closes, he's up and out of bed and he's looking at the tests. (laughs) He already knows, but I don't know that he's looked at this point.
2: Okay.
1: So I, so I, I work all day and then I drive home and I'm like, okay. This How is did it. you get through that day? Like not knowing. It, it was, well, it was 1300 kids and just me. So it was great. Cause gotcha. I didn't. Have second yeah. Yeah. So then I drive home and I pull the driveway right as the clinic is calling. I run downstairs, put them on speakerphone and I'm like, okay. All right. What's the news? And they were like, you're pregnant. <laughs> and at that point, I definitely looked at Justin and he's already known since 7.30 AM, but like, doesn't know. And I was like, oh my gosh. And so our first beta was like 182.2. Damn. And then I was just like, okay. And then our it du- or more than doubled by Friday. It was like 531.
0: Yes. And then
1: I asked for a third one on Monday, even though they were like, you're crazy. You don't need it. Uh-huh. And at that point it was like, I don't even know. It was crazy. It was yeah. like 2,285 or something.
0: I should note though, that's so great that you asked for that and that, you know, li- people listening, you can ask for things like that. Yeah. I mean, they could say yeah. no, but like, you never know, they might say yes, you know, so ask for what you want and what you need. And especially after so much loss, I think it's totally valid to want that third one.
1: Oh yeah. And I, oh, 20, 27, I just looked it up twenty seven forty. Okay. So I was like, yeah, we're, we're good. We're good. And then oh the time from that. Like the high from that day wore off so quick. And then it was like this crawl to get mm-hmm. to our six week, five day ultrasound.
0: Mm hmm. Cause that's when you're going to hear the heartbeat.
1: So apparently, it was at my RE or yeah, with my RE, they said they wouldn't hear, it. they wouldn't try to hear it because there was so many technical difficulties that could interfere. And the anxiety of waiting to hear it just put too many people in, you know, into, into a tailspin. So they actually, we're like, we refuse to even let you listen to the heartbeat before gotcha. eight weeks. But at that point, it was, so it was six weeks, five days. And then, they, okay, congrats. Right. Bye. And, and then
0: I'm they're like, like, you're graduated. Is that what they yeah. said? Yeah, I'm
1: like, okay, so I'm graduated. What am I, where am I? Okay, uh, what do I do? <laughs> luckily, now what? The, the second that we hit the eight week mark, my original kind of REOB, who did all of our IUIs, my hysteroscopy, laparoscopy, she had an eight week appointment on the day that we were eight weeks exactly so I was like all right we're just going we're going back there and we went in and and both times he was measuring ahead didn't get to hear the heartbeat yet but we knew it was round it was really strong Mm -hmm. um which was really cool and so we didn't actually get to hear the heartbeat I don't think until was it the 12-week one the 13-week one I kind Mm -hmm. of had like a little bit of a bit of miscommunication with some of the early tests and stuff I wanted to do the the NIPT blood test, I kind of was like, meh, we don't really need it, but I wanted to do the one with the neural tube
2: mm-hmm. stuff.
1: And they were like, you know, we actually can't do that here, but I scheduled it there. It was very weird. The front desk kind of had messed up the appointment. So then I had asked for a 12 week, two day, just like comfort scan, if you will.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: and so I like yeah. that. So 160 beats per minute. That's when we heard his mm-hmm. heartbeat for the first time.
0: Oh my gosh. And that sound is like one of the greatest sounds in the world.
1: Oh my gosh.
0: Yeah. yeah. So tell, okay. Tell us about, you know, obviously the anxiety of pregnancy after infertility is, is real. What is it? What did it look like for you? And where are you right now for people who don't know?
1: So I think the anxiety piece, it got, once we got the the first scan, the anxiety went down and it was probably around that 12 week comfort scan that I was like, Hey, you know what? you know, we're almost 13 weeks. He's looking great. He's measuring five days ahead. His heartbeat is so strong. Like I'm okay. Like we're going to be okay. And we decided, you know what, let's just do that blood test, the NIPT blood test, just to, just to be sure, even though he was a tested embryo and he's strong, let's just be sure Mm -hmm. we're about 12, 13. I started, I started to breathe. Mm -hmm. And then we got the call that I think it was a week later, out of nowhere on a Friday of a three day weekend four forty-five 45 PM. Hey, your blood results came back elevated um, with AFP. So that protein is present, which means that there might be a neural tube defect. So we're going to transition you to maternal fetal medicine for, for your pregnancy care moving forward.
0: Oh my God. And when was and the next we, test or appointment?
1: So at that point, our um, anatomy scan, which would have been our next one, which was still like weeks away. Mm-hmm. So I was like, what? So Luckily, I was able to talk with someone, and at that point, I had no idea what AFP was or what that even meant. And mm-hmm. when you say neural tube defect, I'm thinking like, okay, so that you know, your mind goes to the worst thing like, are we going to have to terminate for medical reasons because his brain isn't functioning or his brainstem is too long or
2: mm-hmm.
1: God knows what? And it was this three day weekend of of just sheer terror as I waited oh, to terrifying to hear from them. Yeah, and just the worst. And so we ended up getting a hold of someone. And getting in that Wednesday. So it was Friday was the badges. Wednesday was the scan. They looked at everything and they're like, okay, you know what? I think we're good. I think we're fine. <laughs> I think it just, there's something going on, but it's nothing too bad. And my level was like only slightly elevated. Like they mm-hmm. could have told me it was like barely elevated, not, at a, you know, triple right. what it could be or something. Right. So then we get to like 16 or like 16 weeks. And I'm like, okay, you know what? Now I can breathe again. We're gonna have the anatomy scan. It's gonna be fine. Like, let's just let's just believe in remember, believe in the baby, believe in the embryo, believe in this strong little guy. And then we get to the anatomy scan, which is with MFM anyway because mm-hmm. of IVF stuff.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And it all goes great. And then at the end, she's like, "Well, there's like this little there's like this little piece of his heart that we just like can't really see for sure. Oh god. Um, but you're gonna do a fetal echo, so it'll be fine. And then we go do the fetal echo at twenty two weeks i think at that point mm-hmm. and the lady comes so it's, it's always weird like when you know the doctor comes in and then they bring someone with them you're like mm-hmm. oh god is this a support person because you're about to tell me the worst news right so we she comes in it's like 22 weeks and she's like so so we did see the little heart thing and the she's like the size the blood flow, the chambers everything looks great but there's this little tiny piece and she was funny she was like if i'm being honest with you i missed it I wouldn't have seen it, but the Mm -hmm. tech pointed it out to me. So we want to refer you to a cardiac specialist, pediatric cardiac specialist Mm -hmm. to get, to go look at that. So that's, that appointment is tomorrow, but you know, I'm really trying to just lean into, you know, what, you know, what can I control? And so I really trusted the doctor when she was like, I would have missed it. It's probably nothing. Let's just triple check. But I think around, around week 16 is when I finally was kind of overcoming some of that anxiety of infertility and this could happen to us but it was through you know attending fertility rally every week and I had a therapist who's amazing and it's a lot it's been a lot of work I've tried to do a lot of work to make mm-hmm. sure that I am in a good headspace because it does it creeps up all the time but I think you know I'm in a really good place we just got back from our baby moon and just trying to soak in every moment and you know I'm pregnant right now and this is you know this is safe and this is is right. happening and, and he's and he's in there and I have to I have to just believe in him and I can get mad at my body and be frustrated at my, you know, that like my hands are swollen or that my, you know, my protein level was high for the AFP or the anterior placenta. So I can't feel him that much, but, but I can't lose faith in him.
0: I love that. So before we wrap Jade, tell me about, I mean, you have such a way with words, obviously. And, you know, like we were talking about communicating with people and comforting people, If anybody's listening, that you know might be new to this situation, or maybe this is the first story they've heard with somebody else, you know, going through something similar. What would you say to somebody?
1: Oh, that's such a great question. You know, I think you know. Well, the first part is is all your feelings are valid, right? And Mm -hmm. how you're feeling, right? Those what Blair always says, those feelings are serving a purpose. Mm -hmm. So feel those feelings. It's not going to keep you from your transfer working. It's not going to. You know, your embryo isn't going to feel it. If you feel some doubt, you're, you know, get those feelings out and, and really find your people. I think that's the biggest thing is you got it. It's not going to be easy. My doctor, when we went into October, 2020, it was like, you'll be pregnant by the end of the year. And it was October, 2021 that we finally, you know, got our very first positive ever. And so they're they're like, we didn't say which year. (laughs) (laughs) But well, we didn't really say it which year, but I would say, you know, I'd say feel all your feelings. They're all valid. And, and the more that you feel them, you know, sometimes being brave is to feel those feelings, even when they're not comfortable or they don't feel good and then find your people. So whether it's your Instagram community or if it's fertility rally, or if it's, you know, even just friends that, you know, that are, that have struggled, like find your people, because if you don't talk about it and you don't share, it's just going to fester inside of you and, and take away that piece that magic of who you are. And I, you know, I'm really working on getting back to me and my happiness. And I think I really truly found that because I have you and Blair and fertility rally and all my sisters to lean on because you can't do it alone.
0: Okay. Thank you guys so much for listening. If you want to join Fertility Rally, and I really, really hope you do, if you're going through this and you need support, our family is growing every month. The women are just incredible. Every single one of them. That's why we're called the worst club with the best members, but you can check us out at fertilityrally.com or on Instagram at Fertility Rally. You can also always reach out to me at Stories on Instagram. DM me if you have any questions or need anything. I am here for you guys. So thank you so much for listening and I will talk to you guys next time.